home, Idaho, away, Montana. That's totally in your own head, man. Martin responded with zipped lips. Get me out your mouth. On them like salt on a peanut. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I'm your host, Chris, and unfortunately, no TJ with me today as of right now. Some people just uh, had too much fun after Idaho's huge win last weekend against North Dakota that TJ is stuck in the COU. He might be able to join us on later. He might not. But we're going to go on anyways. You can find Tubbs at the Club on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and, of course, TubbsAtTheClub.com. Reminder that all, I guess, my opinions on this podcast are those of myself and do not represent TubbsAtTheClub.com necessarily as a whole. We will also be checking in with Brian Marceau and Martin Heimstra on the men's and women's basketball team. Some of you guys may have heard our basketball preview that came out on Monday. I know it was promised Friday, but I had a wedding and sick and, you know, life happens. So it is out on Monday. So make sure you listen to that. Um, and going forward for the rest of the football season, we'll kind of be checking in with those two on basketball. And then once the football season's done, we'll have a full-blown basketball podcast because I'll be right about conference play, which is when really, let's be honest, everything starts to matter. Also, we'll have Brent and Mike from the Montana Mints Grizz Fan Podcast the number one new podcast on the Montana Mint, and probably the number one Grizz podcast in the nation. So make sure you stay tuned to listen to that after we check in with Brian and Martin on men's and women's hoop. Can you tell I'm excited? Do you know why I'm excited? Because it is Little Brown Stein Week, everybody. This is huge. If you don't know about it, I've been talking about it all year. So if you're listening to the podcast at this point, you know about it. And I am so excited for LBS Week. Um, I can't even contain myself. So let's start with reading the Argonaut. Your Vandal Athletes of the Week are Sarah Sharp from Volleyball and DJ Henderson from Football. Soccer, a little bit of a down note. The number two seed Lady Vandals of the University of Idaho women's soccer team were upset 3-0 by Northern Colorado in the conference semifinals, so they didn't get to go to the conference finals and will not be playing in the NCAA tournament. That effectively, well, not effectively, it does end their season. But seriously, round of applause to the girls, especially the seniors. They go down as the winningest class in program history. It's sad that the season came to an end like it did with so much promise, but, I mean, there's still nothing you can take away from these all the girls on the team, and especially this senior class, they're absolutely so much fun to follow and cover this season. And I just hope that we're, you know, we're, we're going to be able to have just as good, if not a better season next year, because um, I'm loving the women's soccer team. They've been awesome supporters of the podcast. So you guys deserve a round of applause. You deserve tubs from us at the club. So if you run into us at the corner club, get, give us a shout out. I'm sure one of us will buy you a drink or TJ, make TJ buy you drinks. Volleyball, way to go. They had a nice win versus Portland State, 3-1, and then they fell down 2-0 versus Sac State and came back 3-2 to beat the Hornets. That extends their lead in the conference to two games, hitting a 10-game win streak with only four games left to play. Come on, we can get the one seed and make another shot at the NCAA tournament, pick up where the soccer team left off. The volleyball, let's send a team to the NCAAs. This week, 
today when this podcast released, November 8th. You can find them starting off the Little Brown Stein game against Montana, 7 p.m. in the Mem Gym. Be there. Be loud. I bet there's Montana fans there. So don't let them outvoice us in Mem Gym on our turf. Go support your girls. On Saturday, they're playing the Little Montana Kittens, the Montana State Bobcats, at noon in the Mem Gym. So before the football game, go step in there. I'm sure Montana fans might come in and just watch us beat up on their, you know, their biggest rival in the Mem Gym as well. So make sure you're there to watch them potentially secure the number one seed in the tournament, depending on how the cookie crumbles, as they say. I'm done talking for a little bit. I hope you'll stay tuned to later in the podcast when we start covering a little bit more football. But right now, I've got Brian Marceau and Martin Heimstra to give you kind of their their takeaways from the men's and women's basketball team and what to expect for the games coming up. Hi, Tubs of the Club listeners. It's me, Martin, and I'll be following the women's basketball team this season. It'll be fun to follow this team as they battle for another Big Sky Conference title. They started the season off right with a win at, win at home in Royal Gym against Cal State University Northridge, final score being 88-73. And the team was led by the Splash Sisters, Michaela Perens, who scored 24 points, had 7 assists and 7 rebounds, and Taylor Pierce, who scored 23 points, 5 rebounds and 2 assists. What we learned from this game is what most, what probably most already knew, which is that, which was that Michaela and Taylor will be leading this team again this season. And the young players on this team will be able to help contribute as Coach nearly guides them to a conference title. My player of the game for Cal State Northridge is uh, Michaela Ferenz, who scored 24 points, 7 assists, and 7 rebounds. And some of my players to watch this upcoming season, just after this first game, are Gina Markson, who had 5 rebounds, 3 assists, and played 34 minutes. And sophomore Natalie Klinker, who scored uh, 16 points and had 6 rebounds. Idaho women's basketball's next game is at Stanford on November the 11th. Tip-off is at 2 p.m. And their coach is former Idaho women's basketball coach Tara Vanderveer, who coached uh, Idaho for two seasons in 78-79 and 79-80. Continue to follow Tubbs at the club on Twitter and me at Hemi underscore 71 for more updates and and to follow the women's basketball team this season. Thanks for listening, and go Vandals. Hey, this is Brian with a men's update from our first two games, a a 59-65 exhibition loss to Lewis and Clark State College in Moscow, and on Tuesday, a a 68-86 loss to UC Irvine. Uh, First thing I want to address is, even though we lost an exhibition game, we lost our first game of the season, uh, even though that's two losses, so we are theoretically 0-2, our actual record is 0-1, the sky is definitely not falling. UC Irvine, we lost to by 18. They might be the best non-conference team we play this year. They made the NCAA tournament last year. They are picked uh, preseason to win the Big West. And we did not look bad at all. Even though the final score is an 18-point gap, we were competitive for 32 to 33 minutes. And when I say competitive, what I mean is the end result was in doubt until about the last seven minutes. And from what I saw, I think there's a lot to like about this team if we project two years into the future, but also a lot that should make this year fun no matter what. And the first thing we learned, because remember going in, we had one name returning this year, Trayvon Allen, that anyone had seen play. So heading into our opening games, we were a blank, sl- blank slate. What I saw is we are going to be guard heavy. And when I say guard heavy, what I mean is we have 
two two posts total, not two centers, two players total, who will spend most of their time operating on offense near the block or just outside the key. Those two guys, Scott Blakey and Cassius Smith Francisco, against UC Irvine, they combined for five points, five rebounds, and six fouls in 38 minutes. I don't, I don't foresee us getting a ton of production out of the center. Those numbers were similar against LCSC, where the two combined for five points and seven rebounds in 36 minutes. Now, that itself is not exciting. The part that I think is fun is we have a ton of guards and a ton of wings. Because every other player who plays is either a non-guard wing, which is to say they are a wing, a person who plays away from the basket around three-point line, but they are not going to have duties initiating the offense. Or you're a guard. That means we're going to play a lot faster than we, than us fans have seen Don Verla's teams do in the past for every year except 2014 to 2015. And in a lot of ways, that's more fun basketball for everyone who is not a defensive aficionado. Another point that I think is clear, one, one real game, one exhibition game into the season, is there's just no way our rotations are set. Um, at this point, Trayvon Allen and Xavier Smith, a sophomore transfer from Oregon State, are splitting point guard duties with Trayvon Allen starting. He plays about twice as many minutes, or he played about twice as many minutes as Xavier Smith. I'm hoping we get to see those two share the floor more as the season progresses. Uh, Trayvon looks like he is in a scorer's mentality for a lot of the time he's on the floor, uh, which is good news for for returning fans because we saw him sco- we saw him be an effective scorer a decent amount in his first two years. We just didn't see it sustained. Uh, Xavier Smith, who we didn't know much about other than that he was a Power Five transfer from Oregon State. He's six foot four. He's a strong athlete. He looks quite comfortable running the point guard. He's not as much of a scorer as Trayvon Allen, but in terms of point guard play, I didn't see much of a drop-off when Xavier Smith was playing, was manning the one, and when Allen played the two or was on the bench. Um, our other guards are Cameron Tyson and Geno Smith. Those two are both catch-and-shoot types of players. I want to get to Cameron Tyson a little bit more later, uh, because he, he showed a lot. Uh, but the other two players who you're going to see on the floor a decent amount are Jared Rodriguez and Markel Frazier. Those two are both non, non-guard, non-post wings. Jared Rodriguez is a freshman. He's six foot eight. He's a bit of a tweener for the big sky, but he's a tweener in a good way in that he is tall like a post, but he is skilled with the ball like a guard or a wing. He looks like he's a solid shooter. He's going, to be, he's going to be a matchup problem for a lot of teams. Markel Frazier, he's our transfer from Virginia Commonwealth as a freshman. He's a junior now. Um, he, he's six foot four. He's another strong athlete. He looks like he's definitely the strongest guy on the team. He, he's a good penetrator. He's comfortable with the ball. His jump shot is broken at this point. He's shooting 5 of 14 on free throws this year. He took a couple threes. Um, that certainly doesn't look like the place he's going to make his money. But he looks like he's a starter right now. He plays either our three or our four. And he looks like a guy who will contribute uh, meaningful minutes throughout the rest of the season. He looks like he could be uh, quite a good big sky player. Um, Some notes on our play on the floor other than individual players is this team is definitely shooting some threes. 
Uh, we shot 18 against LCSC, made 7, which is a, a good percent. We shot 27 against UC Irvine uh, in our two games. We're shooting 42%. And I don't think 27 is a bad number of threes for the team to take. They didn't look like they were forcing it up. We are just so guard heavy and we have some good shooters. That's that's how we will likely play. I mean, nine different players took threes against UC Irvine and they weren't desperation threes. They were within the offense threes. In a lot of ways, the team was fun. Now, some, some downsides, because we did lose, is... We, we only had eight turnovers as a team. We forced 10, so the turnover battle was essentially even, but we still lost by 18. We were outscored 15-4 to on points off turnovers, so when UC Irvine uh, forced a turnover out of us, they capitalized. We didn't. We were outscored 38-18 to in the paint. Now, again, that's not necessarily a huge deal because we are a team that shoots lots of threes. We should expect that some teams will just score more if they are post-oriented teams. Our biggest problem was that UC Irvine shot 53% from the field and 40% from the three throughout the game, including 67% in the second half. They also out-rebounded us 42-22 to on the game, and there was just no way to beat a good team if they out-rebound you 2-1. to we should expect to be out-rebounded a little bit because we play so many guards and so many players who are just not particularly tall. But we will not be able to get away with a with being out-rebounded 2-1 to one against OK teams, let alone an NCAA tournament caliber team. Questions going forward I have, or that I think fans should look at, is the first isn't really a question. Um, watching us play, it is clear that Cameron Tyson, who played shooting guard for us, he scored 17 points against UC Irvine. He isn't a good shooter. He's an elite shooter. I would, I would not be floored at all if he is our leading scorer for the next four seasons. His game is similar to an early in his college career, J.J. Redick, or an early in his pro career, Clay Thompson, in that... He's a great catch-and-shoot player. He doesn't have to just catch and shoot off other players penetrating. He was comfortable catching catching and shooting off of screens. He was great at catching and shooting on the move. His shot is a weapon, and it's going to be a weapon for a long time. In the post-game press conference, Don Verlin, in so many words, referred to Cameron Tyson as the most game-ready freshman he's ever had. And against UC Irvine, he certainly looked like it. Now, he only took two shots that were not three-pointers, so at this point he doesn't have an expansive off-the-dribble game. But he's a freshman. He doesn't need to. He has time to grow. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Cameron Tyson is competing for Big Sky Freshman of the Year. I also wouldn't be floored if Jared Rodriguez is competing for Big Sky Freshman of the Year. Those two look like the guys that are going to, if we're going to make an NCAA tournament in a couple years, it's going to be on their backs. Jared Rodriguez led us in scoring. He scored 18 points on nine shots, and he showed he has a diverse game. If you're a Vandal fan, the name Steven Madison um, is a fair comparison, although if we're comparing freshman year, Jared Rodriguez is just miles ahead of where Steven Madison started. Jared Rodriguez, was he was good putting the ball on the floor. He looks like he's a solid jump shooter. He has a mid-range game. He is a, he needs to get a little bit stronger. He plays the three or the four for us, which means he's going to be guarding the post for other teams. And at this point, he was, he was bullied a little bit by the UC Irvine posts who did not look like NBA prospects. 
So that is an area he's going to need to to improve. But the future, re- the future looks bright. You know, we we didn't know what to look for, and I don't think I'm living in the world of hyperbole by saying Jared Rodriguez and Cameron Tyson will be fun to watch for four years. Other than that, the the big question mark a lot of us had is how is Trayvon Allen going to look as a number one option? He shot two of twelve against USC Irvine. He scored eight. His two shots he made were three, so he made two free throws with that. He took some tough shots that I'm going to guess Don Verlin will advise him to not take in the future. Uh, but he also did good put, putting the ball on the floor. He looked comfortable being aggressive. Um, again, that's actually why I, I hope we get to see him play as a shooting guard or a, a two guard, in that he looks more comfortable as a player who can dribble and pass well, who just understands his, his goal is to attack when he is on the floor. Our upcoming schedule includes a couple games that I think are winnable. First, we play Nickel State at Memorial Gym on the 13th of November, which is Tuesday. Nickel State is picked 10th in the Southland Conference by the preseason coaches poll, uh, which puts them on par with us in terms of where the coaches poll is projecting them in conference. But I, I don't think our talent is ninth in Big Sky. I think our talent is top half of Big Sky. We just have to we have to defend better and rebound a little bit better. When we do that, we'll be able to play with the kind of pace that's going to let our guards shine. Our next game after that is versus Bethesda College. That's at Memorial Gym as well, and that is on Sunday, the 18th of November. Bethesda is an NCCAA school, which is non-NAIA, non-NCAA. It's analogous to Division Three, except NCCAA is a specifically Christian organization. We should win that. That's the first game of the Vandal Hoops Showcase. I'm projecting that we should win our next two. And if we can do that, or even just pick up one, I think it'll help some of our fan base understand the sky is not falling. And I truly believe it's not. I don't mean that in any sort of overly optimistic sense. I think we have some talent. I think you can watch our team for five minutes and tell that in a few years they're going to compete. Uh, one of our questions is, will we compete for a tournament? And when I say compete, I mean, are we going to compete for an NCAA tournament bid next year when Trayvon Allen and Mark Hill Frazier are seniors? Or will it be in two years when Cameron Tyson, Jared Rodriguez are juniors, Xavier Smith and Gino West are seniors? I don't know, but I think it's going to be fun to watch. Thank you, Brian and Martin, for your in-depth coverage of the women's and men's hoops teams this season. Can't wait till we're in full-blown season and we all get to have a podcast like this going on it. But uh, make sure you guys let them, you know, them and myself know if there's anything you guys like or don't like on how we're covering basketball right now. Because, you know, this is our first podcast, including it, who we are totally up to suggestions. But now it's time for me to solo, try to really cover the meat of the podcast without TJ, who I just got word is not going to make it. So uh, if you see him in Moscow, he owes all of you tubs. Idaho, huge win, 31 to 27 versus the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, formerly the Fighting Sioux. Announced attendance, 7,899, just shy of 7,900. Literally one more person. Who? Where were you, Mr. Parking Lot? Get in there. Anyways, very, very low attendance also. We're going to have to do a lot better than that. 
um, against Montana. But like I stated earlier, earlier in the podcast, I believe after the Montana State loss, I said there was nothing we could really do to affect this game. If we weren't winning, people weren't going to show up because people already planned on going to Cheney, taking a week off, then coming back for Montana, and they were obviously going to make homecoming. The loss of Montana State killed any super attendance to this game, but still 7,899 might be the lowest attendance, literally, in probably like 30 years in the Kibbe Dome. So, and I mean, that's that's including season tickets. There was probably 4,000 in there, if we're being honest. So come on, guys, step up. you got to make it to the Dome this weekend. I don't care if you're in Salt Lake City, Utah, if you're in Billings, Montana, if you're in Eugene, Oregon, make your way to God's country to the Palouse. We're going to need you. We're going to be loud, and nothing be more embarrassing than if we show up with 8,000 and then Montana shows up with 8,000 in our own stinking stadium. So go buy some tickets. You're not going to regret this game. I'll I'll cover that a little bit more when we get to Montana, but you're going to want to be there. On back to North Dakota, Jalen Hoover got Big Sky Special Teams Player of the Week with his blocked punt that really changed the tide of this game against North Dakota. And DJ Henderson also won defensive Big Sky Defensive Player of the Week. I mean, he was all over the place. This is the kind of performance we had been looking for him all season. He was just – I felt like he – I think he had finished with like five tackles for loss with six tackles. Or I mean, he was absolutely in in their face the entire game. I don't think they want to see a big guy in a number two jersey for the remaining of the future. I I did get news late. Sorry we didn't have this on the podcast for you guys last week. But North Dakota was actually ranked in the coaches pool 25th. So we beat a top 25 team. So give ourselves a round of applause. Way to go, team. God, where was this performance all year? We are killing it in the Kibbe Dome right now. Uh, It just sucks that so many of these games are late in the year and we couldn't really build some momentum off of them. But, I mean, this was a huge win. For those of you that don't know, like I said, North Dakota was flirting with the playoffs. Probably we're going to make it until this loss. We might have knocked them out of the playoffs and played spoiler. They still only have four losses, so we'll see. They can still turn around their season and make the playoffs, but that would give us a win over a potential playoff team, uh, and we'll see what happens with Montana State. They're a very slim shot out, but I mean, this was a huge game for us. This was our first well-put-together FCS game, um, and it came in ways you probably wouldn't expect. Mason and Petrino threw the ball. 50 times. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're a big fan of the podcast and you're a usual listener, you know Mason usually completes around 80 to 90% of his passes. However, this game, just barely over 50% of his passes were completed. He finished 27 for 50 with 277 yards and two touchdowns. Um, A lot of his incompletions, I will give him credit for this, were throwing the ball away in smart situations where he would have been ill-advised to try to force a throw there. Or drops. Uh, we had a lot of drops. I, I get my stats from fcsstats.com. Unfortunately, they don't keep track of drops. No, they don't. I just had to check. So I would have guessed there was probably 8 to 10 drops by our wide receivers, which is just unfortunate when you're, your quarterback's playing a pretty good game. But uh, a lot of pressure up front, which really frazzled Petrino. He took a lot of uh, – he had to put a little bit extra zing on some of his throws because he was dropping 8, 9 yards back to avoid the oncoming rush. But most of the time, he's able to complete the ball for two to three yards, uh, and the wide receiver might be able to pick up you know one or two more. It's averaging three to four yards times three by four and four by four. That's twelve and sixteen, both of which are greater than ten. Those are first downs on four downs. So you know we we got our first downs that we needed to advance the ball in this game. And I mean, really, Mason played lights out. I would have liked to see a little bit more from the run game. Uh, Isaiah Saunders only seventeen carries for ninety four yards and a touchdown. Tyrese Walker only saw the ball five times for nineteen yards. No touchdown, which is surprising to me. Uh, Ty Walker's been playing really good, 
but you can't complain when we win. Like I said, this is much like I said against Southern Utah. When Paul Petrino has a game plan, it's why I've always been a, a supporter of his. If he puts together a game plan and the players buy in, he's literally one of the best coaches in the country. And yes, it's worth North Dakota, who is barely in the top 25 at the time. But, you know, the way this season's gone, that's a huge win. And it just makes you realize if the team was playing to the way it should be with the athletes it has, we probably would have had better shots or at least closer games against the top teams that we played in the conference that have really made us look really bad in some blowout losses. Man, doing this whole podcast by yourself is really long-winded. Yeah, I guess I, I'm going to pick my club card player. That, or no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pause, pause, pause. I don't know how many of you guys watch this. Forever on the Mason Petrino or Idaho Vandals 2018 highlight reel should end with that eight-yard touchdown pass to Jeff Cotton at the end of the game. I've been a big, big as Paul would say, hater on Mason Petrino this season. That might be the best throw he's ever put together in his life. That was a perfect spiral, right where only his guy could get it. Cotton went up and high-pointed it. It was beautiful. And I hate the fade route. The fade route, I don't know, if you listen to Bill Conley from SB Nation, only works like 17% of the time. That was absolutely beautiful. You throw that ball, that works 100% of the time. That was literally probably the best play we've had all year. And not even including the blocked punt. So uh, we'll run through the scoring possessions. Isaiah Saunders on a 43-yard run. That was absolutely huge as he tiptoed down the sideline and just looked. I mean, I freaking love Isaiah. I'm sad we only have two more games with him. Then North Dakota answered with uh, Bradley Oliveira with a 68-yard run on his own. Dave Unger then caught a 10-yard pass from Mason Petrino, putting us up 14-7. to And then they tied it up in the second quarter with 8.39 left with Garrett Mog, Mag on a four-yard catch from their quarterback, Kettingham. And then they ended up taking the lead in the third quarter, 20-14, to 14, when Brady Olivier, uh, or Oliveira, sorry, his name is spelled completely different than how you think it would, had a nice three-yard run, but they missed the extra point, which I told, I was watching the game with my dad down in the CLU. I said it was going to come to haunt them. Not quite as much as I thought it would, but it did. Because later, K. Coffee on a couple possessions later, we weren't able to really make things work. We kicked the field goal, pulling in within three now, meaning we only had to get a field goal to tie it. Then uh, Mag caught another pass from Ketteringham to take them up to a 10-point lead with 12 minutes and 37 seconds left in the third quarter. Connor Whitney, the Spokane native, had a blocked a punt that was returned. Sorry, it was blocked by Jalen Hoover, returned by Connor Whitney to pull us back within three points, 27-24, when a lot of people thought all hope was lost uh, after we weren't able to convert on a couple attempts there. Uh, but after a quick three and out and a blocked punt, we're within three again. Some well-used, actually having all three timeouts to use, even though we still had to burn one because we couldn't get the play call in. Able to stop the clock. They made an ill-advised North Dakota did a decision to throw the ball on like second and 10 or second and nine that stopped the clock, pretty much giving us another free timeout, uh, which led to Jeff Cotton scoring with 27 seconds left. And the defense came up huge. Port Ketteringham had to like dodge like eight different sacks on the last play, but you could just tell nothing was happening after the first two. He was 23 yards deep in the backfield and just took a huge sack to end the game. Um, Jeff Cotton ended with 10 receptions, 137 yards, and a touchdown. David Unger, nine catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. Whitney, three catches, 38 yards, and a touchdown. And then DJ Lee, Kurtrell Haywood, love him. Uh, he took the week off pretty much, three catches for 12 yards. He also was a big uh, dropper this week. But, uh, I mean, he's been so good all season that we'll give him a break. We won the game, and 
He's my favorite Vandal right now. I'm so excited to have him for three more years. And then, God, the defense played well. I don't know where our DBs were all season, but the guys that showed up wearing 25 and 5 this week were, were not the same guys that we had the rest of the year. They were smothering these guys. They were on them like salt on a peanut. It was great coverage in the secondary this this week. Man, it just really makes you wish that if we could have put some of these performances together earlier in the year, what the season could have been, maybe closer to what we had for our Big Sky preseason preview show when we had really high hopes thinking we might win eight or nine games. And so big, big win over North Dakota. It's time to move on to what we're really all here for, the Little Brown Stein. This game is uh, its huge. It really is huge. It's going to be played 3.30 Pacific Time, 4.30 Mountain on Root Sports in the Kibbe Dome. Yes, that's Root Sports. So once again, if you couldn't get the Montana State game and you didn't figure it out for the Eastern game, Root Sports games are not on Watch Big Sky or Pluto TV. It's literally the last time I can tell you this until next year. You have to get Root Sports. If you live in the Northwest, just about every single bar has it. So you'll have to go to a bar or restaurant. If you don't live in the Northwest, there's a cheat we heard about. Share this. Tell your friends. And then have them give us five stars when they rate the podcast for giving them this. Because this is the game I know people are going to want to use it for. You can sign up for an AT&T or like watch AT&T seven-day free trial. With that, you do get Root Sports no matter where you live in the country. You only get seven days of it, so this would be the game to use it. Go sign up right now, Thursday. If the latest you hear this is Friday, go sign up, test it, make sure you get Root Sports, and uh, you should be able to watch the Little Brown Stein game just fine. Official watch parties. Uh, once again, Portland, Oregon, holding it down at the life of Riley. But uh, I do know Pub 85 in Kirkland, Washington is a big grizzly bar. So, you know, if you really want to make some enemies, head on over there and wear your Vandal stuff and let them know that we're ready to – we're going to thank them for driving the Stein back over to Moscow for us. But uh, we plan on having it stay there. Montana's coming off a win against Southern Utah, 57-14, the same Southern Utah we beat pretty handedly a couple weeks ago. It's our second over- oldest rival. And we're also their second oldest rival. I know what you're thinking. Man, will I still, you know, Boise State. Well, Boise State is not our oldest rival. It's actually our most recent rival other than Eastern Washington, if we're still considering that a rivalry. They first played Montana State in 1897. That's 121 years old, and they have 116 meetings with the Bobcats. However, we first played them in 1903, just a short six years later, and we have 84 total meetings against the Grizz, most of which are to our own doing as we quit playing them after 2003 when we were in the FBS and they were still beating us. Just to put in perspective, we played Boise State for the first time in 1971. We only have 40 meetings against Boise State. We have 44 more meetings against Montana and about to have our 45th. We played Idaho State for the first time in 1916. That's also at 40 meetings thanks to this year's game. Wazoo is our oldest rival. We first played them in 1894. We also have 91 meetings against the Cougs. So Cougs are our oldest. Montana State's their oldest. You could say we're each other's most hated on our side. I doubt they would say that. But, I mean, this has history. Most of you that listen to the pod uh, are probably too young to remember it, so I just encourage you to go to the game and go watch. Um, we are 55-27-2 all-time against the Grizz. We own this series. So let's look to take it back. We are on a four-game losing streak. We own the longest win streak at eight games from 1951 to 1959, and we have the largest 
victory of 46-0 back in 1945. I want you to know all that game is basically before Boise State was even a thing. Like a, like a university. I think they're 1939 or some crap. I'm not going to look it up because I don't really care about Boise State. That's how big this rivalry is. I can't stress it to you enough. If you don't know about it, then you, you need to learn about it because it is going to be huge. So with this, I'd like to introduce, we're about to have an interview with the Grizz Fan Pod, two of the three of the Grizz Fan Pod, Brent and Mike. I decided to pull up an old post of Brent's. He's kind of known as like one of the sound minds on Egris, which is our version of all vandals for those of you that don't know. And uh, this was actually led to my first post on Egris. But from uh, if you want to follow him, yeah, you know, go to Egris. You can find him. He literally has posted twenty nine thousand or sorry, 24,943 times as of the recording of this podcast. This was after the schedule was released that we would be playing Montana. I know for the Big Sky scheduling, we're rivals with Montana State and Eastern Washington. I'm wondering if fans actually consider it rivalry, though. Me, personally, I don't. We have one rival, and they're, and they're in the same state. If we had a second real rival, I'd say it's Idaho. Wondering how others feel about this. This post is back on September 18th of 2017. To which I wrote, glad to have you scoundrels back on the schedule. Who is Eastern Washington anyways? Last I checked, the big sky was Montana, Little Montana, and some community college with both Bluefield. In all seriousness, most of the fan base is peeved with the big sky move, but Montana, Montana State, and Eastern make it not so bad. Excited to have you all back on the schedule. After that, this conference needs some herd thinning. So with that, I want to let you guys help me welcome Egris's Soundest Mind and Mike from the Montana Mint's Grizz Fan Podcast. All right, so I got Mike and Brent from the Grizz Fan Podcast, uh, which is part of the Montana Mint, I guess, podcast network. How are you guys doing today? Nothing to complain about. You know, we... uh Finally got a win this weekend, so uh feels good to win football games again. Yeah, weird. Yeah, we, we know exactly how that feels. Very similar season to you guys in the uh underwhelming kind of aspect of it. Um so I you know, before we get started, I just wanna ask you guys, I don't know if you guys are uh enjoying a beverage of choice, but if you are, what are you guys drinking tonight? Well, we are both currently enjoying a nice cold summer honey from Big Sky Brewing right here in Missoula. It's uh, usually a summer beer. But uh, we're just hanging on to the last uh, last little stretch of I don't know, thinking warm weather. Yeah, right. And you got to you got to drink it before fall ends, and it's winter. Exactly, so pretty much. So you know, we we got you guys on this week because it's Little Brown Stein Week. First time the game's been played in 15 years. You guys currently have the Little Brown Stein, and you've won the last four <laughs> meetings, all of which were while we were FBS, which is kind of uh, not the way it's supposed to be. But you know, it goes to show how great of a program Montana is. Uh, that was back when Bobby Houck was there the first time, so we know he knows how to beat U of I. The last meeting was 2003. You guys won 41-28. I don't know if you guys have any you know, particular memories from the game. Have you guys been to a Little Brown Stein game before? Oh, yeah. So that one, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the game we came out and ran the option because our first two quarterbacks were both hurt, wasn't yeah. it? Yep. So that was, Chris, 2003. That was Bobby's uh, first season as Grizz head coach, and – we had a transfer quarterback, two transfer quarterbacks, a Juco and a drop down, and both got hurt the week before. And so Bobby closed practices 
and no one knew what was going to happen. What wound up happening was the third string kid, his name was Justin Hartman, and the four, and a wide receiver named Kyle Sampson came out and ran a mix of a triple option. And, uh, yeah, we won the game. No one knew what to expect. And actually that year finally I think is what got Tom Cable fired at Idaho. So you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. It was uh... – it was, uh, we, we attribute a lot of our falling off the wagon to him. So it's about time somebody got him out of there. And you know, that's one thing we can thank the Grizz for. Uh, so I guess how many, is there a particular game that maybe sticks out to your mind and kind of the history of the, the little brown sign or anything like that? Mike's thinking. So I'll, I'll throw mine in. Um, so 2001, the year the Grizz won the national championship, our coach then was Joe Glenn. And it was a really strange circumstance because we were supposed to play. I, I'm going to miss the precise date, but I want to say like September 13th of 2001, the Saturday after 9-11. That was probably a little later in the week, maybe like the 15th. So the game gets canceled. Um, the Grizz go on and we lose, I think, just to Hawaii. Actually, that happened right before. So a bunch of Grizz fans got stranded in Hawaii. We're supposed to play Idaho the next week. So the Idaho game gets postponed. And so because of the postponement in football games, we wind up having to play Idaho at the end of the season. But by that point, Idaho was actually moving up. And so there was all this concern about what happens if we lose. They were up. They were up. That's right. And so um, it was the craziest game. It was like a double overtime game. And Idaho could not make a kick to save their life. They missed like a game field goal. They missed points and we wound up winning it like something in a double overtime. Like I, I think, you know, something like finally made a field goal and it was rammed in. And of course that was our national championship run. So, I mean, it was just, it was a <laughs> kind of wild circumstance and, and, and a post Thanksgiving game. And it was just, it was a, just a totally surreal. Conflict. Yeah. I think um, maybe it was the first time we, we beat Idaho since they moved up. The second time we beat them. Since we beat them 2000 there playing in the Washington, uh, the Wazoo stadium. Okay. Stadium, yeah. yeah. Yeah, with getting you guys back on the schedule, obviously it's so cool for us because uh, we haven't had a team with a lot of history as a rival in a long time since Boise State left in 2010. And I know with that, it kind of cost you guys a, a rivalry you had going with Eastern Washington. So I guess kind of what are your thoughts and opinions? Maybe compare and contrast the the Little Brown Stein versus the Governor's Cup. So we didn't. Um, Brent and I are laughing. I didn't know that our rivalry with Eastern was called the governor's cup until you just told me. Um, de- I mean, they've definitely been our rival though. I mean, they've been, and they've been the best team in the big sky conference over the last decade. Let's, I mean, let's be honest. They, they have consistently. And so that's been a lot of fun and, and we've kind of ebbed and flowed and they've got the better of us a lot lately. You know, when Idaho and Nevada and Boise all left, we, the conference had to reinvent itself. So we had the cats and the Grizz and, you know, a couple new rivalries emerged, but the big sky has, you know, a hundred teams, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I think that there's a lot of uh, Grizz fans and even cat fans that kind of see Idaho as another peer institution. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think we're kind of hopeful that maybe moving forward, we can trim some of the fat, and, <laughs> you know, get a good solid conference with peer schools and whatever happens with that going forward, who knows? Yeah. It, we kind of think the same way, you know, it's fun to play, you guys, Montana State, uh, Idaho State, you know, like you said, East, Eastern's been so good recently that um, it's fun. But, man, 13 teams is a lot, especially when you don't get to play everybody because, uh, like, next year we don't play Montana State or Eastern. And it's kind of like it's a bummer schedule because we have a more winnable schedule, but then you're going to be kind of like Sac State last year where 
I mean, we still have to go out and win. When you play the bottom tier, the, the fat, as you would call it, of the conference, it's it's not as fun, even if you're winning, than playing Eastern, Montana, Montana it's really State. Fun, so. It's really fun when you have five uh, we're, teams we're, with one or two losses with two weeks to go trying to figure out who's going to win the conference, too. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, a three-way tie for the Nobody top. Play each other. <laughs> yeah. And then I know, Brent, was it you? Because I do listen to your guys' pod. Who was it that was holding stock on Idaho until about week six? That was Luke, who is not here. That was Luke. So maybe he was – I was the one who dubbed you guys the Bitcoin of the big sky. Um, That's right. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was Luke who kept uh, picking you guys. But uh, your your road woes keep let, let him down too much. And he, he sold after, I think, week seven. It's weird because uh, Idaho fans, we kind of – I think a lot of people were taken back a bit when they heard this week that we were undefeated at home because the schedule has been so rough on us that I think people forgot that we, we've kind of – we've taken care of business at home. It's just we didn't get a lot of these home games still – the end of the year but we got you guys at home this week and just you know to get into the game a little bit here uh like opponents we you know we played portland state north dakota southern utah and uc davis uh we beat portland state 20 to 7 you guys lost 22 20 we beat north dakota 31 27 obviously that was at home uh you guys lost 41 14 at their place we beat southern utah at our place 31 12 you guys went on the road last week and smoked them 57 14 down in cedar city and then UC Davis killed us 44 to 21. Um, and then you know, beat you guys 49, 21. Uh, so I, I, you look at the schedule and obviously the Portland state one kind of stinks for you guys, but you know, they've really picked it up since that win. Uh, I don't think we would necessarily beat the Portland state team that they are right now there or that you guys played, but otherwise it'd be pretty similar records. So I'm, I'm expecting a close game. I don't know what your guys' kind of thoughts and opinions are on it. I mean, yeah, I, this Grizz team is, young in a lot of spots that has obviously shown that consistency is an issue. You know, we just got off a road game with Southern Utah where we killed them, but Southern Utah is not good at all. They're just injuries just wrecked that squad. The rest of our road games this year have been, you know, Cal Poly. We gave up a ton of yards and then losses at both Western Illinois and North Dakota. So I mean, at, I don't. I would expect this to be a tight game. Um, it's it's really just tough to say if the Grizz team we saw this last week against Southern Utah is a team that is rebounding from this three loss streak that they had, or just a team that just played a, a gutter ball team that season was pretty much over and you know yeah, masking more issues. So it would seem to you would seem to think it'd be close. You guys are coming mm-hmm. off a. A bit of an upset win, it would seem, you know, with North Dakota. And, and so, yeah, I, I'm going to guess pretty close game probably. So, um, you know, with that, who are some players that, you know, Idaho might want to be aware of? I, I mean, obviously, Dalton Sneed, Jerry Lou McGee, uh, anybody else, Josh, obviously, Bus, who's a lot of people probably know because, you know, he's from Boise, Idaho. So, um, a lot of people were hoping he would sign with Idaho at the time. I mean, who are some other players that might, you know, You'll be hearing their name a lot on the Root Sports broadcast or that we should be aware of and kind of keep an eye on while we're, we're watching the Grizz. Well, Chris, if you really listen to the pod and Mike, you'd know it was Cam Humphreys. <laughs> That's <laughs> our backup quarterback. That's true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, he had a hell of a game this week. Um, Gabe Solcer, true freshman, um, fastest guy on the team. They, they um, are working him in slowly, but he's got some big – Big time scores, some big time touchdowns this year. 
Um, so he's definitely one to watch. You know, Sammy Akem is going to be an all-conference receiver. He's a sophomore. He's a big dude. Um, they've been working all year to get him more physical because he should win battles. Like, you see him on the field, and he's got a height advantage over every cornerback at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the those are the ones that, that jump out at me. Justin Calhoun, if he's healthy, the running back. Jeremy. Jeremy Calhoun. Sorry. Yeah, number eight. Yeah. And that was one thing this last week. You know, this Jeremy Calhoun was supposed to enter the season as a senior, experienced running back, and then he had off-field troubles and was suspended, and then he got, yeah, he was then he got injured. Right? And so it's just been – and last week, it felt like the first game where, well, he got the touches needed and he really showed it. So if he's a guy, and that was one thing with the Southern Utah, for the first time, we had a legitimate running game you had to respect outside of Dalton Sneed running for dear life. So suddenly we became a little bit more multidimensional. And uh, again, it's tough to say if that's just because Southern Utah's defense is so bad, but it helped. Yeah. So, Chris, what about you guys? What, um, um, you know, I know that there was a bat- QB battle earlier in the year um, between the coach's son and the biggest QB I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> Big sexy. <laughs> How's that still shaking out? It seems like Petrino's getting most of the snaps. Yeah, so Colton's had some that's, – that's the big guy. He's had some fragile oh. moments. Now, how much of that is Petrino, you know, trying to find a reason to start his kid? Who, who really knows other than the people in the coaching staff and on the team. Uh, but it, it looks like it's Mason's job now. After Eastern, Colton had a bad fumble, and since then he hasn't really seen the field. It's kind of been um, roll with the hot hand, which uh, whether I like it or not has been Mason Petrino, and I'll give him – he has to shot put the bar, ball to get it more than 12 yards, but he doesn't make turnovers, which is kind of the positive. You're not going to get – Big plays, like I've told everybody we've played, if you really want to beat us, don't even use the safety. Just roll six linebackers and stack the box because he's not throwing it more than 20 yards anyways. So we'll see. He won't turn the ball over. He won't make dumb mistakes. He'll probably run 12 yards backwards, uh, his first side of pressure, and then you just got to hope that we have some talented wide receivers. You kind of just got to hope that uh, you, know, you can stay glued on them and he has to throw it out of bounds. But, yeah, he, he's smart, obviously, being a coach's kid limits his mistakes. So there's worse guys you could have playing quarterback, but there's also a lot better guys you could have playing quarterback. So what do you think kind of team morale is? Um, You know, obviously first year at the FCS level, but most of the guys on the roster now have known that this was coming. You know, it's been about three years, I think, since they announced it. Do you think that some of the guys expected to come in and dominate and are maybe surprised they're not? Or do you think that this type of competition is what they expected? I think Petrino kind of expected this. I don't think a lot of the players did. You know, a lot of them were recruited as FBS guys, you know, the the senior leadership at least, who are the, you know, kind of the voices in the locker mm-hmm. room. So I know like Caden Ellis at Media Day said he was expecting to get two rings this year, Big Sky Championship and, you know, National Championship. So obviously when you have the goal set for yourself that you're going to be a national yeah, champion, um, and now you're kind of struggling in the, the Big Sky your first year down, where you you know we had kind of a murderous row as I've said it, um, playing at UC Davis, at Idaho State, at Eastern, but uh, and at Montana State in the snow, which for a dome team, you know, always is always a difficult game. But uh, we we lost them, and so I think maybe it was a good reality check for us, and maybe it will help. We're kind of hoping we'll jolt some of our recruiting to be more local, because obviously Petrino's ties are in the south, 
Uh, and with that, you're not really getting guys that care about Montana, Montana State, uh, Idaho State, where when we played Montana State, you could tell with all the Petrino ties and everything that the Bobcats wanted it more, and Idaho State really wanted it more. There were so many kids from the Treasure Valley on the Bengals, and you know they showed up, and yeah, I think they all felt a little insulted that Idaho never gave them maybe a look when we mm-hmm. were at the FBS level. And so we've kind of taken a lot of people's shots, whether it be their recruits not getting a call when we were a very small fish in the big pond and other, you know, other teams that are just like, we're not going to let you like you guys and Eastern, we're not going to let you just come down and think you're going to win this league. It's uh full of really talented teams with lots of pride and tradition. And, you know, we're not just going to roll out the welcome mat for you. And I think that's what we got this year. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, Chris, quick question. Uh, that that game against the Bobcats, was that extra point good or not? So I was in the stadium. Oh, so okay. It, it looked good. I was really surprised and everyone got excited. But I heard on TV it was really close. So, like, when they said it was not good, I was just like, oh, it must, it must not be good. But, yeah, I've seen the replay of it a bit, and I'll give that ref some props. You got to have some cojones to make that call if it's that close. So I'm going to assume that he's pretty confident it was missed if he made that call then and there. But, you know, honestly, the way that game was going, I don't know if we would have been able to hold on in overtime anyways. You know, Montana State was surging. We had given up a 10-point lead. So I'm pretty sure our fans were already not. We're used to being in the dome. The snow was getting to us. Yeah, I I think Montana State would have pulled that one out anyways. So it's pish posh, whether it was good or not, you know? <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know if, uh, uh, either of you guys making the trip down to Moscow for the game or. Yeah, I am. And Luke is, and a bunch of our buddies are Brent, uh, is going to Oregon next year. Instead. Yeah. I heard that last week. And, uh, <laughs> and didn't taking the dog, right? Um, so yeah, if you guys want, I'm going to kind of run through the, uh, big sky games. We always do a little pick them at the end and, uh, like to hear some of your guys' predictions on it. And then obviously we'll end it with a score prediction for our game, Northern Colorado at Montana state. Oh, I, I mean, at Montana state, Montana state's not going to lose at home to Northern Colorado. I don't think. Yeah, no way. I, I mean, as much as Northern Colorado has been like on a little bit of a surge, I can't imagine they would be able to hang in that game. Yeah. I mean, I hope they do. Don't get me wrong. You know, maybe it's, you want that one to be a close emotional game. So they're not quite ready for you guys. And who knows? They could be overlooking Northern Colorado too. Well, they, their, their coach has one important game every year and it's us. So. Yeah. Because what would it be? It'd be three in a row if they win or two, four. Three in a row. It's like, that's all Choate does is just lose the rest of the season, but beat the Grizz. So he keeps his job. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. (laughs) <laughs> Portland State at uh, North Dakota. That's an interesting one because both those teams, like Portland State is for sure out of the playoffs now, and they were playing good. Yeah. And, I mean, the way they lost that game, I mean, thinking you had a first down and letting the clock almost run out, and oh, my gosh. Um, and then North Dakota, like, they're on the ropes now too. Um, I would think North Dakota at home probably, but – I don't know. I just uh, it, North Dakota outside of the Grizz doesn't play super good at home either. They've got a bunch of losses at home, so it's weird. It depends on PSU is is such a streaky team, and they've got a lot of guys that play for themselves, and they've been terrible for three years. But Barnum finally got them going, yeah. and then they lost that heartbreaker last week yeah. to Idaho State. So it kind of depends on if they come back out and like still want to fight, 
because they could beat him, but I'm going to go with North Dakota. UC Davis at Eastern Washington on the Inferno. So probably game of the week. I think Eastern will win that at home. Oh, I'm a Davis believer. Uh, I'd say Davis. I, I think they're going to go undefeated in the conference. If Davis beats Eastern, <clears throat> Eastern's not going to be a seed. Nope. PSU could knock Eastern out of the playoffs. They could. Go fight that would be crazy. How crazy is that? <laughs> Went from like number three in the country in like five weeks yeah, later, be, not even in the quite playoffs. The fall. That'd the be crazy. They're missing at going. That would be now. the biggest deflator. Uh, Weber at Southern Utah. Well, I'm going to go with Weber. You just hope this isn't a trap game. Again, like for us as on a playoff bubble team, I'm, I'm sure for Southern Utah, but I'm not an idiot. Weber's, <laughs> Weber's going to win that game. Idaho State at Cal Poly. I mean – it should be Idaho State, but they've, they've, you know, for a team that's now, what, ranked 24th and probably in if the season was up now, mm-hmm. they've had just the strangest stretch of things. Like, they almost gave it up to PSU. They should have beat Davis, but they missed a chip shot field goal. Ah, I would probably pick Idaho State, but, I, I mean, Polly gave MSU a hell of a game last week, so I'd say ISU. Yeah, I'm going to go with ISU because I don't think that Cal Poly has any defense. So ISU is going to put up too many points for them to be able to keep it going. Northern Arizona at Sac State. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sac State's finally going to win a game, right? (laughs) This is the one. This is the one conference (laughs) game. I'll say NAU. I don't care. And that takes us to the Little Brown Stein, Montana at Idaho. I've got a feeling who you guys are going to pick, but I'm curious to see what you think the score might be. I think we're going to know really early yeah. if we're going to win or not. Um, if if they come out and they're the mess they've been three of the last four weeks, uh, turnovers and whatnot, start slow, we're in trouble. If they come out and they start fast, they score more than you know more than three touchdowns in the first half. I think the Grizz win. So I'm going to take the Grizz. Yeah, I'll take Grizz. I see something, you know, kind of like a 38-24 type, close-ish, maybe pull away a little late. I think uh, Grizz offense, when you look statistically matched up on, I know Idaho plays better at home, obviously. But uh, I don't know. I kind of like I kind of like some of this stuff that we've got showing, and I, I think Grizz are going to get it by you know kind of that ten to fourteen point type of range. And then I got one quick last question for you guys that might be a little bit of a wound opener. Well, hold on, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa! Who are you picking? <laughs> All right, I guess uh, I can I can't skate out of here without making a pick, can I? Uh, <laughs> um, obviously, I'm going to take Idaho. Every game we've won at well, not every game, but. Uh, we have two games now that we've scored 31 points and one in. So I'm going to take uh, 31-28 Vandals. Not sure how Mason puts up uh, 31 on you guys. I think you guys have a pretty solid D. Uh, a player we forgot to mention earlier, Dante Olsen. Yeah. Um, I wonder, can he break like the all-time FCS tackle mark in this game? He'll What's he up. at? Do you guys he'll, know? He'll <laughs> I know he was like the program tackle record in this game. Most likely, he's a ways away. He kind of slowed off a little bit in the second half. But, he, uh, it's hard to average eighteen tackles yeah. a game or whatever he was. Yeah, <laughs> especially when people start running away from you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So then I gotta ask Dalton Sneed, 
versus Gress Jensen, any difference to how the season might have gone? <laughs> Boy, what do you want? Another 20 minutes of airtime oh, here? Um, <laughs> if There's a difference of opinion because our offensive line is really bad. And the common kind of excuse is that people like to say, if Gress Jensen was here, he'd be dead because he gets back. I don't buy that. I think we'd have at least two more wins with Gress Jensen. I, I think Snead's a hell of an athlete. He showed what what he, he can be last week, which is great. Um, but I think Gresh Jansen's a better quarterback than I have from the beginning. Yeah, so me personally, I mean, uh, I think our record would be pretty damn close to the same. Uh, I, I can see a game or two that Gresh would have either had us in or had us in a position to win. And I could see a couple games where if we didn't have Dalton Sneed's ability to just escape, um, which is like the craziest one, the Sac State game. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I see a little bit of give and take. I mean, maybe we would probably be, have one more win and one less loss. So we're five and four right now. We'd probably be six and three with Gresh, I think, but I don't know if it'd be a, well, obviously one game, but I don't know if it'd be like this noticeable difference. We could be five and four with them too. And there's lots of people in the fan base that would tell you we'd be worse. We'd be worse. Yeah. So who knows? That's where we're at right now with Colton Mason and Nikhil Nair. So <laughs> or Jake Luton. We feel you. It's uh, always a fun game to play the what if game. You know, game. But uh, that's the fun of it. It's what if no one actually has an answer. Um, so now we always like to open it up to. Guests on the pod, uh, our session or uh, segment called Getting Iced. You can ask me any question. It could be football related, sports related, or personal if you'd like. Uh, and then I'll, I'll do my best to answer it. All right, Chris. Uh, so you said you decided to be an Idaho fan over a Wazoo fan. Did you, were, did you ever go through a stretch where you regretted that decision? <laughs> um, actually, God, that's a <laughs> terrible question to ask on this podcast. But yes. Uh, so my entire family is Cougs or Vandals. So I was raised with both. Parents were both Vandals, though. So as I got older, um, I became more aware of the Vandals and started rooting for them. And then uh, I actually, 2009 at the Humanitarian Bowl, I was a senior in high school. Um, once they pulled out that game, stayed till the end uh, against Bowling Green, I told my dad I was, I was going to go to Idaho. Um, cause literally at the time I thought Idaho's football program was on the up and up. Meanwhile, Wazoo was coming off like a one in 11 year. Then, uh, when the Mike Leach hire happened and we had, you know, fired Rob Akey after another one win season, uh, there was a brief period where I filled out a Wazoo transfer application, but I never sent it in and I was, I'm, I'm incredibly happy. I stayed. It was a low moment in my life, but I'm proud to be a Vandal. Fair enough. My brother's a Coog, so I've been to fun games at that stadium and awful games at that stadium. Um, right. <laughs> man, they were bad for a stretch. So you say you're a loyal pod listener. So um, I need to know – you don't need to give me your top five, but your top three Taylor Swift albums in the next 15 seconds. Uh, so obviously self-entitled Taylor Swift. Oh. Uh, go. Prince is my type <laughs> of guy. Was it Speak Now or Speechless or whatever the second one was? Then I'm, I'm loving Reputation, man. Then a little 1989, and I wasn't a big red guy. So. Oh, man. Brent, I just don't know why you're so bad at the music scene. All right. Well, I want to thank uh, Brent and Mike for coming on the, the pod today. It was, it was good to talk to you guys. You know, our only other 
Montana Mint person we've had on is Hot Take Nate, and oh, so you can God, imagine uh, how much different of an interview yeah, this is. Terrible. Sorry, <laughs> wow. yeah, we know more about the cats yeah, but... than, than Nate does. <laughs> and you know we can't get Bear Tycoon on it; it just never works in his schedule. Mister Richest Bear in the Woods is too rich for us. But uh, happy to have you guys on the newest, hottest podcast on the Montana Mint Podcast Network. And uh, you know, now I'd like to kind of open it up to you guys and. Either let the people know what's going on in your life and maybe explain, uh, you know, either the Grizz Fan Pod or the Montana Mint or the Hotel Finland, whichever one you'd like. <laughs> well, I like that you, you call out the sponsor. They're going to appreciate that. Um, we are uh, at Grizz Fan Pod on Twitter. Um, it's the first year that we've we've done this. Um, this kind of started from us trolling the uh, the Montana Mint Sports Podcast the last couple of years. Um, we're having a lot of fun. Brent's been following – well, we've been fans forever. Um, Brent's been a great Twitter Grizz fan follower for a long time. So um, just kind of this new opportunity came up and, and, and having a lot of fun with it. And I, and I know you guys might appreciate this, or at least Brent might. Uh, we always talk about the best free entertainment is going on to eGrizz when they're losing. It's almost more entertaining than all Vandals when we're losing. So, uh, And I've heard you are quite the uh, respected voice on eGrizz, which I heard is hard to come by. So. You got one of the I best Grizz you can talk to. two sane minds on that board. <laughs> I don't know who the second is. I don't think it's me. So, <laughs> so yeah, I wanna, once again, thank you guys for coming on. If you want to check out their podcast, uh, it's literally on the same one we told you guys to subscribe to when you subscribe to the Montana Mint Sports Pod. It's on the same feed on Stitcher and you know Google Play and all, all the fun places you get your iTunes or your podcast just like us. Um, so check them out. You can also find them at Grizz fan pod on Twitter and uh, yeah, they also have all their individual Twitter handles on, on there. So I want to, once again, thank you guys for coming on. And uh, if you guys make it into town, uh, maybe see you guys at the corner club and get you a tub of rain here. I had a really good time talking to Brent and Mike. I know I said it a ton at the end of the interview, but thank you guys so much for coming on, especially since that interview was held yesterday and at that time i thought tj was going to be on this podcast so i wish i would have actually talked to them a little bit more but they were about to record their record their grizz fan podcast so if you want to hear more discussion on the grizz make sure you go check them out it's like i said on the same feed as the montana mint sports podcast that buyer tycoon and montana mint and montana parlay are on Uh, so go check them out but, you know, that's kind of going to be our discussion uh, is is what we had with them. Other than all I can say, we are undefeated at home, ladies and gentlemen. Don't expect the Grizz to roll in and beat us. We are – we're evenly matched, more so than it looked like at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year, they were absolutely probably favored against us, and they, they still are, actually. The spread on five dimes right now as of recording, once again, we record on Tuesdays is seven points. Idaho has a home dog. By no means are we we a favorite in this by any stretch of the imagination. But like I said, 55, 27, and two all time. Like I covered, and I didn't want to really rub it in too much while we were playing them, but if you look at the comparable games, one, it looks like this year, we'll see after this game, that they'll probably lose to Montana State again. So we only lost by one point. As you can tell, they were a little iffy on it as well, uh, whether it was good or not in overtime. And But we beat Portland State. They lost to them. We beat North Dakota. North Dakota smoked them. 
Now, don't get me wrong, Dalton Sneed had really bad games in those games. I don't expect him to have that. Dalton Sneed is much like Troy Anderson, which obviously we had problems stopping, which is the Montana State quarterback, for those of you that have kind of moved forward on the season. I do think Dalton Sneed's going to give us give us some issues. I mean, he is by far the most probably electric player we've played. Dal- or Troy Anderson is a really good player, but the difference is Dalton Sneed can actually beat you with his legs. Which is something that which is something that Troy Anderson just couldn't do. Dalton Sneed has already thrown for two thousand one hundred and forty nine yards. He has seventeen passing passing touchdowns. He's also their leading rusher with five hundred and twenty five yards. He doesn't have their most rushing touchdowns. That would be Eastwood. Also, like they mentioned, they have really good wide receivers. And they have that really quick speedster. I mean, they're a really well-recruited team. And it's most Bob Stitz recruits, which is the former coach that was fired to bring back in Bobby Houck, who they had so much success with in the 2000s. Bobby Houck was actually the coach of the last Brownstein game we played. Uh, and Paul Petrino is also coached, obviously, in two or three Brownstein games. So there's a lot of Brownstein coaching in this. So expect the coaches to really hammer home the importance of this game to the players. And I think you're going to see both teams get fired up. I don't know if fired up enough to like maybe have a mini little brawl, you know, during the middle meeting handshakes during warmups, but expect when the game gets going for some, some attitude to be seen on on both sides. And, you know, Montana is not necessarily a team you want to be looking down, you know, about to punch you in the throat. But uh, I think a couple of guys on our team are ready for it. Caden Ellis, Christian Ellis, DJ Henderson, et cetera. Our wide receivers, Isaiah Saunders. We got guys that are tough enough to stand up to this Montana return to dominance. Um, that's our thing this year. RTD, return to dominance. If we win, we have the same record. They are 5-4 and four on the year. We are 4-5 and five on the year. So like I said, everything is stacking up in our favor other than the fact that we've played a bit of a tougher schedule this year than than they have. And um, with that, my key to the game is going to be don't turn the ball over. They, they've got a really good defense with Dante Olsen and Josh Buss. Just don't turn the ball over. If Mason is starting, I don't think it's going to be an issue. And yes, I'm about to say it. As a Mason hater, as Paul would say, I think that Mason will be the guy who can lead us to a victory here. And to Paul's point on the Mason Mason hater stuff, that's totally in your own head, man. Was originally going to make my prediction here with TJ, but I did give it with the interview with Brent and Mike. I'll give you guys the versus simulator kind of rundown how they're viewing this game, which is the awesome computerratings.com. So they have Montana winning 32 to Idaho's 28. They have a four-point spread. They have Idaho ranked 160th in the country. Montana ranked 168th. I don't know how you can have a home team ranked eight spots higher than the away team and still predict them to lose, but uh, this thing is tied for second in the SCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge, so it knows what it's doing. We have the 187th ranked offense. They have the 140th. We have the 172nd ranked defense. They have the 163rd. Our record's four and five. Their record's five and four. We're both zero and zero versus top twenty-five teams, and that's that's so deceiving because Fresno State is in the top twenty-five right now. I think they're ranked seventeen in the AP poll, so we should be zero and one. But that's how crazy Fresno State is. So that makes that loss at the beginning of the year look better. We're one and five against teams greater than five hundred. They're two and three. Once again, those five losses are to Fresno, UC Davis, Montana State. Idaho State and Eastern. 
other than Montana State, that's a pretty big gamut. We're three and zero against teams that are less than five hundred. They're three and one, so they've slipped up. Our best win is against number fifty nine North Dakota. This is against one hundred and seventeenth ranked Northern Iowa to start the year. Our worst loss is to one hundred and thirty first Montana State. Their worst loss is to one hundred and seventy ninth Portland State. We're averaging 26.3 points a game to their 33.6. We're giving up 33.7 to their 28.7. Our opponent's record is 44 and 37. Their opponent's record are 38 and 42. So they've played a losing record. We've played a winning record. Our average opponent's rank is 185.3. Theirs is 193.0. We're currently both on one game. Well, you can't call them win streaks. Wins. So that is the breakdown of the little brown sign as best as I can do it by myself. I really wanted some excitement. I was really excited for this podcast. God dang it, TJ. We're still going to move into some of the fun parts. I'll give my corner stool take. Caden Ellis absolutely balls out. He'll finish with more tackles than Dante Olsen, Montana's leading tackler. He will also have an interception and a forced fumble in this game. And he will win... National Defensive Player of the Week. I wish TJ was here because he's actually, I think, gone two for two on corner stool takes. So, But that's what you get when you get too excited after a North Dakota win and then you can't make it to the podcast three days later. That's how excited he is. That takes us to my favorite part of the podcast, hashtag AskTATC. This week, we asked you guys, the fans, what will the result be this Saturday, November 10th, for the Little Brownstein as Vandals take on the Grizz? We had 9% think an Idaho blowout win. We had 49% think an Idaho close win, which is also where I voted. Montana with a close win has 31% of the vote. And Montana with a blowout win got 11% of the vote. Uh, the Grizz Fan Podcast did retweet this, and I'm guessing some of their f- listeners came and voted for the 11%. Because this is our highest vote total we have ever had, and there's still 17 minutes left in the poll as recording. 163 votes. Wow. Thank you to the Grizz Fan Podcast. If you guys really did get people over here to vote, or just you guys for being awesome and really caring about this game and giving me a lot more hope as we roll into it. But with that said, um, I also want to point out last week's question. We asked how many wins were left. The 30% of you out of the 91 that said, We would win zero more games. You're officially out. You were wrong. So congrats there. Uh, But the 31% that said one game, obviously you're still in it and right on the money. Those of you that think two, you, like I said, I think you're going to get it with the two wins. And then there's still 10% of you that still think we're going to win three. You know, we got 71% of the vote still in voting that uh, the Vandals can win multiple games. All right, so we got Brian Marceau, as usual, is the only one with the hashtag AskTATCs this week. Idaho Grown T-Cash, Nick Stutzman, Wax Party Pants, where you guys at? Brian's already on the pod, but uh, we'll still answer his questions because he's really good at answering them, or asking them. At Tubbs at the Club, Portland State, Idaho, Montana, Montana State make up the second tier of the big sky. Agree or disagree? And how would you rank them? I totally agree. And if you look at my power rankings, which I do every week, which I know you do because you commented on them, I have Montana State, then Idaho, then Portland State, then Montana. You thought that maybe Portland State should be higher. I told you I'm literally a big believer in head-to-head kind of when it comes to power rankings. Idaho and Montana State beat Portland State. Portland State beat Montana. Therefore, I have it in that order. That's why I have it there. Then 
I'm saving that one. What are your glass half full and glass half empty takeaways? Hashtag ask TATC. Glass half full, we won. Uh, I, I, I don't know if there is a half glass full anything there. We won. We were undefeated at home. Uh, Paul Petrino stressed all year that he wants to protect the Dome, and there's no way to start getting people back in the Dome than winning at home. If we are notoriously known for winning at home, people will come to the games. And, you know, we hit, we didn't touch on it too much, and we will, you know, next year, obviously, and maybe a little bit later in the year, but we have a very winnable home schedule next year. So if we can end the season 5-0 and in the Dome, I think it's going to change a lot of people's opinions on how the season goes. I know you had a hashtag AskTTC earlier in the year, Brian, that kind of said, you know, what, what should our goals be for the season now that the playoffs are out of, out of, you know, mind? I would say finish the year undefeated at home. That is huge, and it pairs up with what I said at the time, that beating Montana was the only thing left that we, we should be worried about on, you know, on the schedule. So I would say win this last game at home. Help, that'll help with season ticket sales next year. If people can go, you know what, they win at home, I'm at least going to go watch or at least buy tickets um, and not have a 7,899 announced attendance against a top 25 team. Um, but, yeah. That, that's what I would say on that. And then, obviously, your last one, which I stinking love. At Tubbs of the Club, reaction to Coach P's comments about Mason haters. Hashtag AskTATC. Martin responded with zipped lips. I can tell you that, Paul, Paul, I have been one of your biggest supporters. I watched your initial press conference. I skipped class to watch your initial press conference. You could be the reason I had to spend five years at the University of Idaho. I will tell you, I think you are one of the best offensive and coaches, coaching minds out there. And I, I've stand behind you, despite what everybody has said from Little Napoleon and everything else that has come up. I really think you're the guy that can turn this around. I think you care. And I think you're the kind of guy, thanks to your you know late father, that will stick around with a program and necessarily at this point in his career isn't too worried about maybe taking this job and using it as a stepping stone. I think if we can continue to pay you what you are getting paid, and you start to perform um, how I think you can to earn that money, I think you're the guy that can stick around and really stay with this program and maybe become, obviously, you know, not a Bobby Bowden or, or a Bill Snyder, uh, but somebody that spends maybe a good 10, 20 years at this program and hopefully have lots of success with and can win some national championships. Going out and attacking, I know you've never necessarily been great with media, and I don't consider myself media because I don't have a journalism degree. I, I got a business degree. I just do this because I'm a fan of the sport, and I enjoy talking about it, and now I have people to talk with. You know, calling me, who's been probably the harshest person on your son other than maybe Sean, who is a journalist, who has had, you know, knows you personally, you know, all I'm saying is that I think – your son might not have been the ultimate choice at quarterback this year. And I think you knew that coming in, picking your son was going to stir the pot. And I respect that you stuck to that decision and said, I'm not going to let people decide how I run my team based on what I'm afraid of. And Mason is an absolute stud of a young man for taking that pressure, knowing himself what he was putting himself under. So I would never call anybody that has said anything about your son a Mason hater. I would say that people just think you handled the situation poorly. Yes, your son has led us to a win last week and a couple weeks ago against Southern Utah. But until I see Colton Richardson take as many snaps as Mason has, 
depending on whatever the injury situation is, you know, we don't have the whole full story. But I think that if we had Mason or sorry, Colton play some of these games, big sexy, my pick to start at quarterback this year, I think maybe we beat Montana State. Now all the other games we have played that have been blowout losses, probably nothing different. Do I think Colton starting makes up, you know, 30 points that we lost to Idaho State and, you know, 28 that we lost to UC Davis. No, obviously not. Maybe seven, maybe 10. But, you know, maybe that Montana State game doesn't come down to a missed extra point. Maybe the missed extra point was just to only put us up by six instead of, you know, tied with one. Uh, I, I just think that Colton was a better decision. Like I said, I respect you. I respect your son. Don't ever portray anything anybody says as hating on your son. We're just people analyzing the situation maybe a little bit more hands-off than you are and saying that Mason probably wasn't the best person to start this year. Now, we supported it. We support this team nonetheless, but it's frustrating when we lose. You should know that people are going to take it out on that situation because it was the easiest subject to attack. With that, I think that's a good three to four minutes on that subject. I'm going to move past it. If anyone has questions, Feel free to ask another hashtag as TADC or hit me up on Twitter, um, either at, at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond or at Tubbs at the club. I'd be the first person to buy you or Mason a tub if you were at the club. So get me out your mouth. Just kidding. You can talk about us all you want. It's free advertising. So that's all we got for hashtag as TATCs. Man, can we just get to this game already? It's a Thursday. I just want to play. But we got game of the week. You know, I'm going to go with the FCS Fans Nation game of the week, which is number four, UC Davis versus another number five, Eastern Washington. So tune into that game. Um, it literally is going to probably decide who wins the big sky. If UC Davis trips up, Eastern could get a share of the title with Weber and UC Davis creating a three-way tie, depending on every team wins out. So it could, it's, a, it's a big, big sky proponent game. So make sure you check in. Um, but as far as FCS Fans Nation Pick'em goes last week. Chris went five and two. TJ went four and three. So uh, with this week, uh, I got a number 20, Towson versus number seven, Alon. I'm taking Alon. Number two, Kennesaw State versus Monmouth. I'm taking Kennesaw State. Number 11, Delaware versus number 12, Stony Brook. I'm taking the Hens. Uh, Incarnate Word versus Central Arkansas. I bashed on Incarnate Word too much last week to start picking them now. I'm taking Central Arkansas. Grambling State versus Alabama A&M. I'm taking Grambling State. Number 23, Illinois State versus Indiana State. I'm going Illinois State. Uh, I already picked Idaho over Montana, so that's a part of the FCS Fans Nation pick them, I believe, our third time this year being featured. Uh, we went 0-3 in the first three, though, so maybe not a good good sign, good omen. Um, then, obviously, FCS Fans Nation game of the week. We're three points in the FCS Fans Nation pick them challenge. I'm taking the number four UC Davis Aggies to travel to number five, Eastern Washington, and come out with the win. Dan Hawkins, man, they're going to Frisco. I have a bet with Kyler Neal uh, for probably a case or tub or something of Rainier that uh, UC Davis will go to Frisco. I'm a little nervous. They have no playoff experience, but, man, they look good. They just look better to, than Weber and Eastern, in my opinion. Eastern with Goober, it's a different story. They're still good. They'll probably make it deep. Hell, these teams could meet in the championship, depending on how the bracket pulls out. Um but then Big Sky, while we're at it, last week I went 6-1. and one. TJ having another O in the loss column for two weeks in a row, but once in the FCS Fans Nation. This week in the Big Sky, uh, after I bla- put him on blast last week for having terrible Big Sky picks all year, he goes 7-0. and oh. 
This week, however, we have Northern Colorado versus Montana State. Montana State is receiving 20 votes in the FCS fans or in the FCS stats poll. Uh, I'm taking Montana State. Portland State versus North Dakota, who has 11 votes still, even after we beat them in the FCS stats poll. I'm taking North Dakota. Number three, Weber State versus Southern Utah. I'm taking number three, Weber State. Number 24, Idaho State versus Cal Poly. I'm taking Idaho State. NAU versus Sac State. I'm taking the Lumberjacks. I think Sac State has a sad, sad season this year. And then Idaho's obviously going to take Montana, who also is receiving like seven votes in the FCS stats poll. So once again, a team considering consideration. There's a chance if we beat them, depending on how the season ends, we could maybe sneak into the top 25, at least the top 30. So this is a huge, huge game. I mean, I don't know how many more times I can say huge on one podcast, but probably no more. That's why it's time to close the bar by myself, whole podcast done by me with a couple stop-ins from some guests and hosts of the pod and an interview, obviously, but no TJ. I'm out of breath. My shameless plugs of the week, all four Idaho teams won. College of Idaho, Idaho State, that junior college down south, so screw them. I wish they would have lost in Idaho. That happened once earlier in the year. And you know what happened the other time that happened? All four Palouse teams won in a week. Whitworth, Eastern, Washington State, and Idaho. So those seven teams all come away with wins on the same weekend for the second time in a season. The first time that it happened in the same year was like 23 years ago or something like that. We looked up the first time it happened this season. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a time when all seven won in the same weekend, two years in a row, like twice in the same year. So that is my shameless plug. The Whitworth Pilots, Pirates have locked up a playoff spot, might actually host one. So if you're in the Spokane area, go check out the Pirates, led by Leif Erickson, who TJ told you all about last week. But, yeah, the Palouse and Idaho just absolutely killing it in football uh, last week. So round of applause to that. And then once again, round of applause to the women's soccer team. You guys have been awesome. You're big fans of Tubbs at the club. Can't thank you guys enough. I wish your season would have ended with you guys on top, at least of the big sky, and then hopefully of the NCAAs. But still, you guys got you guys so proud of you guys. I can't stress that enough. Once again, thank you guys for plugging in and listening to me for somewhere between 60 to 90 minutes. I'm not sure after I plug in everybody's interviews. But I hope you guys had fun on this podcast. I wish TJ was with me, but the COU is eating him up with a North Dakota victory. And uh, so I, I feel like I hosted you guys. But TJ should be back next week's episode, Thursday, November 15th, against Florida. And, guys, sad moment. That will be the last regular season podcast as we will have no playoffs this year. But we'll have a season review show the week after. And then it's basketball time, baby, with a capital B. Uh, now it's time to let – the best band in all the land, the sound of Idaho, play us out. Go get that mother Stein. Go Vandals. <laughs>